Today on the Tech Bytes podcast, we're talking Wi-Fi 7. This is the latest iteration of the wireless standard from the Wi-Fi Alliance. So Wi-Fi 6 brought significant increases in throughput and performance. A Wi-Fi 6E made 6 gigahertz spectrum available, at least in the US. So what does Wi-Fi 7 bring to the table and is it worth going through an upgrade? We're going to get details from sponsor Fortinet. And yes, Fortinet has a networking portfolio that includes wired and wireless gear. Chris Hins, Senior Director of Product Marketing at Fortinet, is here to take us through the details of Wi-Fi 7. Uh, Chris, welcome to the podcast. So can you just give us the overview of what's new in this latest standard? Sure, happy to. Thank you very much for having me. So as is often the case, especially with the more modern Wi-Fi standards, there's a focus not just on raw speed, but with reliability, you know, overall capacity, as well as just the performance that people want. So if you kind of look at the main things that are coming in Wi-Fi 7, I usually focus on four main ones. One of them is we do get a new data rate. This happens you know, regularly. There's a lot of push for figuring out new and better ways that we can transmit and receive data quickly. So you may hear a lot of people talking about 4K qualms. That's, that's the new data rate and even faster data that we're going to get. In addition to that, we have new wider channels. You made that reference, for example, to the six gigahertz space opening up. So we want to be able to leverage some of that wide open space that we have and these new wider channels are a good way to do that. Two other interesting new things that have come along that I think are very distinct to Wi-Fi 7, because you could argue that, oh, we've done wider channels before, oh, we've done new data rates before. One of these is multi-link operation, the idea that you can actually have a client attached across multiple bands, considered all to be on all those bands at the same time. And the other is kind of an interference mitigation plan via puncturing. And we may talk a little bit more about puncturing, but I don't want to go too big of a technical deep dive right now. This is paired with some other additions and changes throughout the spec that really make Wi-Fi 7 a very interesting standard for people to move to. Okay, so what features do you think might be the most compelling for network engineers to get them to go through an upgrade, particularly if they've already done the dance with Wi-Fi 6 and 6E? Now, I made the comment about wider channels having existed before. Uh And historically, Historically, people have kind of given a little bit of the side eye to those wider channels because, yeah, you know, you could use them, but they were somewhat unreliable. You know, one thing that would happen is if there was a little bit of interference, say, on your upper half of your wider channel, you were supposed to roll back and you almost lost half of your throughput and you're supposed to avoid that interference. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that this sort of avoidance is something that just is part of being in an unlicensed ban, but they did something pretty cool with Wi-Fi 7. We already had this idea of segmenting the band into subcarriers and and putting signals on those subcarriers before, but they said, well, why don't we do what they've called puncturing? And we can just kind of puncture out that piece of the channel that has interference, and we're going to transmit on all the subcarriers where there isn't interference. So now that wider channel can really be leveraged more often, and there's a better reliability to the throughput I can get from that wider channel because I'm not going to be rolling back and losing half that throughput every now and again anytime there's a little spike of interference. So does this mean I'm getting more throughput out of this or just a more reliable connection or both? It's a little bit of both. If you think about it, it is a more reliable connection. But when you kind of think about what we had to do in the past, we truly did lose bandwidth every time that we had to lose that upper piece. Mm -hmm. So by virtue of now puncturing, I am truly gaining throughput. This was sort of lost spectrum that I wasn't using before that now I am using. 
And if I pair this with the idea that we had back in Wi-Fi 6, where I had OFDMA, where I could have different clients all accessing different parts of those subcarriers at different times, mm-hmm. now I can say, well, okay, well, some of these clients are down here, and then some of you guys, you're on the other side of the interferer. And I'm just making much, much more efficient use of my spectrum, which really does mean my aggregate system has higher throughput. Now, you mentioned uh, unlicensed spectrum, and that's, I guess, one of the potential downsides of the 6 gigahertz spectrum and that it is unlicensed, so obviously anyone can use it, and I guess that's the issue around this potential for interference. Well, you know, the reality is they're all unlicensed bands. <laughs> so so the, these interferers have always been here, and, you know, every time we move into a band, Wi-Fi has had to deal with this. Mm-hmm. I think that this new mechanism just creates a really interesting way to work around it without as big of a hit as what we had before. And then you additionally have, you know, you, you said, well, why do people care? Why do people want to move? In addition to this kind of cool use of these wider channels, we also have something called multi-link that I talked about. This idea that now I can operate a BSS that if I talk at the high level, you can think of it as that BSS now spans multiple bands. So this now means that if I've got a client that, you know, attached to the AP and it's associated and something changes with that client. Maybe, well, maybe like you and I, suddenly we're doing a a podcast where we got streaming audio and I wasn't just watching email anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, I really had a difference in throughput when we started doing this on my laptop. And in the past, if I had been on a particular band that, man, maybe it had enough throughput to do, you know, my email, but it was going to get kind of constrained doing voice. And maybe I was going to start getting that robotic voice as the uh, bandwidth cut in and out. We don't have that. I can just seamlessly kind of move and use another band where there's more throughput because I'm actually leveraging all bands at the same time for this SSID. That's a really cool capability, and it allows us to make more flexible use, again, of the bandwidth available to us. And that flexibility comes based on sort of the performance characteristics that the AP is sensing from the client at the time, that it can say, okay, I need to move you because it looks like you're trying to get more through or you need a faster rate. Correct. The AP and the client can kind of coordinate information to kind of say, well, you know what? Maybe I made my initial connection on the 2.4 band, which obviously gets a a lot of negative press these days because there's so much noise there. But maybe that was good enough for what I was doing. And then both sides of the equation just kind of say, yeah, you know, I don't think I want to be here anymore. I'm going to move up and start transmitting on five or even six gig for those clients that support it. Now, is there any kind of penalty uh, to doing this switch because I may have to reconnect or reassociate with an AP? Well, that's the beauty. You know, before you would think of that as a roam, right? Because I left one band and I went to another and, and technically... We thought of those as being distinct entities. With multi-link operation, this is no longer viewed as two distinct entities. As far as the client is concerned, I truly am operating across multiple different pieces of the spectrum. So I can make that move without suffering any additional hits for overhead. Okay, so I think you've sort of made the case for why Wi-Fi 7 may be appealing to folks, but are there additional security or network implications that people should also be considering if they are going to adopt Wi-Fi 7? Yeah, there are. Any time that you have any sort of new technology coming on board, what we see is that there are become new applications, new use cases, new drivers that people want to use the network for now that they have this available bandwidth and these capabilities. And whenever you start to have new clients, new things, new usage patterns, that can really cause some security holes because you may not have had security in place to really deal with that previously. You're going to want to ensure 
that you revisit and evaluate, you know, any security that you have in place to ensure that you are handling this correctly. We always kind of look at this as having security at the core of the network. It's not something you ever want to just patch onto the side because when you are, are taking much more of a patch view of things, then when new technology pops in, your patch isn't integrated into that. In addition, there are some real network implications, as you kind of hinted at. We talked a lot about the throughput here. And when you think about three bands all operating, wider channel sets, more efficient use, there's a very real chance that your wired network that you've had in place previously may not be able to keep up with the throughput that you're going to start getting out of a Wi-Fi 7 access point. So you're probably going to have to take a look at your wired infrastructure, see what you need to do there to increase its capacity. Another thing, and, and you know, this is something that I think is familiar for all those installers out there who've been installing Wi-Fi every time we have a generational change, is the power needs for those access points, they never seem to go down. They only go up. And so you may have switching out there that maybe it has the capacity on the link, but maybe it doesn't have the overall PoE capabilities needed. You know, we're in the latest state of the art. You're looking at, you know, 90 watt PoE being the sort of thing you might want at the edge if you're going to be running Wi-Fi 7. So we really see this as when you're making this technology shift to Wi-Fi 7, you really are probably going to want to look at everything that you have in your network and evaluate what you need to upgrade here and ensure that everything from the wireless level to the wired to the security is all prepared for this shift in use. So can you talk a little bit about what you think the impact could be on the network side, particularly if, you know, I, I decided to go from like my one gig access, which is to five, or do I need to go to 10 if I'm going to do seven or? I would recommend giving a real hard look at 10. Now, people can understand their environments and maybe they know that they're doing a little bit more beep and scan traffic. So they may not have an application, but I'll tell you one thing I always tell people anytime you have new capabilities at the very edge, there's likely going to be an, an application or a use that someone in the company is going to want to start to put because they know that there's been a technology refresh. Mm -hmm. So I always consider it sort of dangerous to try and go halfway on these sorts of things because the last thing you want to do is, to your point, maybe you upgrade to M gig. Maybe you, you say, well, I'm going to upgrade, but I'm just going to put in 2.5 gig mm -hmm. on my wired because I think that's going to be fine. Well, what happens if you know a year down the line, someone on, let's say, I'll point at someone with my own hat, someone on the marketing side <laughs> comes up with a really cool idea for how to use that network. And that's going to be very bandwidth intensive. And now the AP can keep up, but those switches you just bought can't. So you got to future-proof and think this through. And the fact that you're going to be in here redesigning the network potentially for Wi-Fi 7 seems like a perfect time to get that right and look into the future on what some of the usage patterns are going to look like. Okay, so if you are thinking about an upgrade to Wi-Fi 7, don't skimp on the wired side of the house. Nope. I think you got to really be honest with yourself on what this is going to take. Obviously, Fortinet is best known as a security company. What does Fortinet bring security-wise into the wireless LAN realm? I think sometimes people think that our wireless products are just another separate silo in a networking portfolio, but that's really not the case with Fortinet. We have been pushing this idea of kind of the convergence of network and security for a while. And for us, what that means is the wireless controller, which is a concept that has been around now for, for decades in the wireless space. And, you know, sometimes people talk about it being in the cloud. Sometimes it's, you know, the controller distributed across everything. But for us, that controller functionality is actually embedded into our firewall. So that means that you have networking and security truly brought together in one. And it also now means that 
even as uses change on your wireless and you get that increased throughput, the firewall is already natively understanding that wireless. It's coming back and being understood by a firewall and all that context is built straight in. And that's a really different philosophy towards things. It helps with these sorts of migrations. It helps ensure that you have the right configuration across everything because we're starting to see that that old siloed approach, you know, where the the networking guys and the security guys never speak to each other and, and you know, they may kick each other in the shins when they pass in the hallway, that's just not viable anymore. And so this approach that we have where we bring it all together with the firewall as a controller, we believe that's really the path forward for everybody. Now, having a firewall as a controller, does that have implications for how I might be segmenting my network, making sure specific wireless devices are on specific segments of the network as opposed to having full access? Yeah, you know, we definitely encourage people to give good thought to that. And one of the things that you can do with a firewall as your controller is something that we do. We call it for to link NAC. Essentially what it is, is it's a built-in basic NAC functionality to do exactly what you just talked about. Mm -hmm. Because we're a firewall, it's very easy for us to profile and understand traffic and, and devices that are attaching, be they wired or wireless, and then put them in the right security context natively because that's all built in. When you have that understanding and that level of deep packet inspection, which of course we have being a firewall built in and extended all the way to the edge, it's very simple for us to put the right security context on every client as they come on board. Okay, well, unfortunately, we're running out of time because I've got more questions and there's a lot more to talk about about Wi-Fi 7. But thank you, Chris, for coming in and walking us through this. If you folks are interested in getting more information about what Fortinet's doing with Wi-Fi and their Wi-Fi 7 solution, uh, there's lots of links in the show notes that accompany this podcast. And there's also going to be a blog we'll link to from Fortinet about helping you get ready for Wi-Fi 7. Thanks again, Chris, for being here. And thanks again to Fortinet for being a sponsor. And of course, thanks to you, the listeners, for being here as well. If you like this episode, you can find this and many more fine free technical podcasts in our community blog. It's all at packetpushers.net. You can join us on the Packet Pusher Slack if you want to hang out with other network engineers. You can hear us on Spotify. You can join us on LinkedIn. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.